0: Are y'all having a good time tonight? Yes. You guys are so easy to worship with. You're amazing. Just welcome my wife, Pastor Baker. Amen.
1: We, we love coming to Heritage. It is a great joy to be back home with our family. Yes. Amen. Amen. We have been, um, gosh, I don't even know, since we were here last, we were trying to figure it out. Was, was it September? So we've been to the Philippines twice. We were there for the month of October, and then November we were in Ohio, and um, I can't even think back that far. And then uh, we came through the month of uh, November, busy, busy, busy. December was a little more local, and then January the 4th, uh, no, Pastor Joe mentioned, January the 4th, we were off to Istanbul, Turkey, our very first time to minister in Istanbul, Turkey, and I'm telling you what, there are some radical, on fire, Holy Ghost Christians that live in Istanbul, Turkey. I would not have guessed it. They come, and they come ready to worship. They're loud and proud. I'm going to just say, I don't care if you, you know, we had to work with an interpreter. Well, the first service was an English service, and then everything else after that was with interpreter. But my word, they love to worship. And they love to worship. They love the word. And, man, they love to clear the chairs, and they want to be prayed for. And once you pray for them, they get up and get back in line, and then you pray again. And then they get back in line, and then you pray again, then they go get their kids out of the nursery, and then they come back. So, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I mean, it's like I had no idea. Uh, We have a dear friend who's a pastor in Florida, and he is Turkish. And so he has a congregation that meets there, Then he has a congregation in Florida. So he said, I'd love for you to go and do uh, my church in Turkey. So we were there, and it was just amazing to see. uh, You know, I mean, it is a Muslim country, but gosh, there's great hunger there. And um, God is at work. God is at work in the whole earth. In the whole earth, he is at work. And so we were there and then off to Israel for 10 days and then back to the Philippines for three weeks. We were there, different islands there ministering. And I just, I guess I say all that to say, um, Heritage, you've had a vital part. And you have fruit that comes to your account because you have sowed seed in those lands. And so one day, when you stand before the Lord, and someone walks up and says to you, you know, I know you weren't in my country, but because you sowed seed, I became a believer. I became a follower of Christ. And uh, it's so valuable. I want to speak to you just tonight a little bit about the power of the offering. Because um, one of the things that happened to Pastor John and myself, when we came around the move of God in the early 90s, one of the things that the lord really challenged us in was in our giving to to really have an understanding now tithing you know we 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 were born and raised in the church tithing 10% was it was just like you did it you know you did it in Sunday school with your Sunday school offerings and that's just the way you were raised All the way through, ten percent of everything belongs to God. So that was just a non-negotiable. We were raised in that. But beyond the tithe, we didn't really have um, an understanding of the power of the offering, the power of the because the tithe. Let me just explain to you one thing: the tithe. uh, And I hope I don't get into, you know, I don't want to mess anybody's theological stance on this. But listen. The tithe is already the Lord's. It belongs to him. The tithe is the Lord's, whether you give it or not. It already belongs to him. But offerings, you have jurisdiction over. You get to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to sow over and above. That that was where Pastor Joe and I got hung up. Because we felt like the tithe was just, you know, that was sufficient. But we were missing out on something that we didn't have revelation on. The evangelist that came to our church. In the early 90's. uh, he, he taught greatly on the offering. I mean. And sometimes you just think. You know when he first came to the church. He was at our church for six weeks. We had a six weeks. Six week revival. In our church. Two meetings a day. Morning. Night. Morning. Night. Morning. Night. Six weeks. I'm telling you. You get saturated. You know what I mean? You just absolutely get saturated. Somebody said, did you get tired? Uh, you know, I, I think back to those days. Yeah, I think, you know, there were times that your body felt weak. But it's like once you walked into the house of God and you just plugged into that worship service that was going on. it was like it was all over and you got regenerated. And so every service, he took some time to teach on On offerings, on sowing and on reaping, you know. uh, There's. Let let me let me talk to you. Just let me let me mention this, and I'm going to get to the scripture. God's model of provision for the church is twofold. He tells us uh, he blesses the labor of our hands, so that's one course of provision. Blesses the labor of our hands, but he also teaches on. He also blesses those who give he blesses those who sow seed and so that's how there's increase and provision that comes to your house when you he blesses the labor of your hands and then you sow seeds and you sow uh you sow and reap in the kingdom of god that's god's model of provision and so we we had the tithing thing we had the of labor of our hands we give 10 percent we did not have the concept of the offering. We didn't have that. And so uh, I'm going to be honest with you. The first couple of services that uh, we were there, uh, and he would take time to, to teach on giving, I'm thinking to myself, bro, just get on with that because we know that. You know, we know we know all that. And, you know, he'd go on and on and on, and I, next service, you know, he'd teach, and I'd think, Man, I I just, you know. And one day, it was about week two, uh, the Lord checked me and he said, yeah, you know it. If you know it, how come you don't practice it? Because it's one thing to know. It's another thing to know. To know by experience, 1 Corinthians tells us. To know by experience. We can know or we can know by experience. And so God began to teach us, he began to take us on a journey. And um, one of the very first things that we did in this new season of our life, um, the Lord spoke to us about opening a seed account, and uh, that was one of the things Pastor taught on uh, one of the mornings that he was there. He taught about uh, uh, setting aside finances, you're over and above, for sowing into the kingdom of God. And because you sometimes think, you know, well, uh, I, you know, God, if you get it to me, you know, I'll sow it. But then, as you know, if it goes into that main account, somehow it can sort of get, you know, eaten up and you don't, you're not, you're not able to actually do what you think you can. But we we were learning that if you would set aside just the way you set aside your savings, just the way you set aside your money for rainy days, if you would set aside some money for giving, how how the Lord would bless you. As you were able to take that money, and so and so, uh, one of the very first things we did as a couple, as we were in this journey, uh, we opened a seed account. And uh, I remember uh, we didn't. We were in a situation. I'm gonna be honest with you. We were. It was a time in our lives where um, it was a it was a very lean time. I'll put it that way. Anybody ever had a lean time? We were in a lean time. Uh, We the church we were at, um, they were going through a lot of problems. They had all kinds of um, leadership problems and a lot of things were covered. And then the pastor, the senior pastor left, and a lot of things became exposed. And he sat in another guy, and the more you dug, the more, anyway, the church began, people, I mean, it was a 5,000-seat auditorium, and people were leaving by the droves. I mean, it was just, and the Lord called us there to help the guy that uh, that he had sat in. And so uh, we were there, we knew we were there by divine appointment. But they were not able to to be consistent; they were not able to to stay with us and to you know help us and so man, it was such a rough time uh we in our heart we knew we were supposed to be there, but financially it was we were you know we had our credit cards and and so there were times we had to use our credit cards and so anyway, it was just a it was a rough time and so um when he talked you know about this one Friday morning uh in the meetings. And we just got the revelation of, and the Lord spoke to us, and he said, you know what? Um, You're not, you know, you can't really blame anybody for where you are. You can't blame people. you got to take responsibility. The Lord said, you got to take responsibility. Can't blame the pastor. Can't blame the people. Can't blame, you know, you don't know how to steward what you have. And so we said, Lord, we need to learn. This is an area we really need to learn. And, uh, so that day, as, as soon as the service was over, it was payday. It was Friday. It was payday. And we went down to the bank and we opened a seed account. We took a hundred dollars and, and opened that little account, that little seed account. And, uh, that, that we went into the bank. I'm thinking about the lady. We go into the bank to the new accounts, you know, and, uh, So we said to her, she said, you're going to open an account? And we said, yeah, it's a new account for us. We have a regular account here. And she said, okay. And she took us over, and she sat down, and she said, okay, what do you want to call this? And we looked at each other, and we said, seed account. (laughs) And she had those uh, cheater glasses, and she looked over her glasses, and she said, you farmers? Of sorts? (laughs) Of sorts, yes. As a matter of fact, we are. And uh, and so we got the temporary checks, you know. And uh, there was service that night on Friday night. I'll never forget this. This was was our first. I'm shaking now. I'm just thinking about it. This was our first. It was like we'd just gotten the revelation of sewing, of setting aside monies to sew for the kingdom. And we had a little lady in our choir. She was a little single lady. She was about 78 years old. Her name was Harriet. And uh so we, were, we had a little bit of rehearsal before service, and I looked Joe and I we, we got together, and I said, "I think we should sew some money to Harriet." And he said, "Yeah, that's fine." You know, So I got our little temporary check, and I wrote, I wrote a $10 dollar check to Harriet. And she just got tears in her eyes. And she said, Pastor Joe, she said, I'd use my last little bit of money for gas. I did not know how I was going to get gas to come to the service. And she said, this will help me to put gas in my car. Boy, I'm telling you, when you realize that my sewing was the part, a part of meeting a need for somebody, I had no idea. Holy moly. It was like, oh, my word, this is fun. And from that ten dollar check, it has carried us literally. It has carried us literally. See, some people think tonight, you know, they're here. They they they're here for the offering. We're not here for your offering. We're here by our offering. We're standing here tonight by our offerings because we've learned the joy of giving. We've learned the joy of giving, and God, there's no way. There's no way that I could tell you all of the amazing things that God has done. But we started with just a little bit, with just a little bit, and we began to be faithful. and, And, you know, that seed account grew. It was so crazy, even through the meetings. I mean, people, just random, and it had never happened before. But people, people would walk up, you know, after service, and they would put like a fifty dollar bill in his hand and he'd say, "Hey, you guys have been such a blessing. Uh, thank you." And, you know, and it was like, "Well, hey, that that can go and and it'd go in the seed account. We'd run down, put it in the seed account, and that that seed account. I mean, there were ye- there were these years that there's been a lot in it, and there's years that it's. But it's just been our designation to set aside something for the Lord to use to bless the labor of our hands, to bless us abundantly. It's the over and above giving. And I'll tell you, there's no way you can outgive God. There is absolutely no way you can outgive Him. So it's just been such a ride. We gave that $10 check, and then, you know, we gave, I don't know, we gave a the $100 check and that was exciting and 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 one one uh i forget where we were I think in Houston somewhere and there was a prayer line and he was praying for people and i was kind of following him and he prayed for a lady and the lord said write that lady a $500 check and i looked at him and i said uh you're not going to believe what the lord, but the lord told me to write that lady a 500 and he said Get the checkbook and write her a check. And so I went. I mean, I stopped. He went on and started praying for people. And I went to my person. I got. And I mean, I've never written a $500 check to, uh, unless it was a car or a bill or something. You know what I'm saying? Not not an offering to someone that I don't even know. And uh, and so, man, my hand was shaking, you know. And I wrote out that check. And I walked up to her. And I, I said, the, the Lord told us to give you this. That he knows that you have a need and he wants to bless you. And she opened the check and looked at it and fell in a heap. She said, I've been estranged, estranged, estranged from my father. I, I have not seen him uh, since I was a little girl. She said, I just found out he's in living alive and he's in Hawaii. And she said, I checked today. On airfare from Houston to Hawaii. And it was $500. Y'all, could I have done that? No way. Only our God knew her need and our ability to supply that need. God, listen, you know what it's all about? It's about your obedience. That's what giving is all about. It's about your obedience. If he says it, will you do it? Do you trust him? And I'll tell you one more because, you know, we we grew in our check writing because that seed account grew. We had saved up, oh, I don't know, $1,000, I think, was about all that was in there at this point. And we were in a crusade, and a guy was uh, making an appeal, uh, uh, it was where we were going to church. He was going to do a crusade in New York. And so they he, they were raising money to go to New York. And we were sitting there on the front row, and I looked at Joe, and I said, what do you think? And he said, I think we need to, I think we need to a $1,000. He said, empty that account. I'm like, uh, okay. Because here's the thing, let me tell you. We were going to go, On that crusade, and we were going to, we had kind of been setting that money aside to help pay our expenses. We had our children with us, and we were going to use some of that, you know, for our expenses there. And he said, no, I want you to, I want you to write. I feel like it's $1,000. I've never written a $1,000 check for an offering. (laughs) I've never done it in my life to that point. And I wrote that check, and it was on Friday night, man. I'm telling you what. I mean, the anointing was there. The anointing was there. It was strong. And we took that check, and we held hands, we said, Lord, this is your money. This is not our money. We totally trust you. We totally trust you. And we sewed that check and that offering that night. That was on Friday night, okay? Friday night. On Sunday morning, at the service, after worship was over and the worship service was over, there was a young couple there. They were Bible school students. If you looked at them, you would have thought, nothing. They were a young couple, had just come to Bible school. And they made a beeline for us on Sunday morning. And they said, Pastor Joe, we got a settlement, and the Lord spoke to us on Friday night. I kid you not. The Lord spoke to us on Friday night that we need to sow a seed into you and Becky, and they handed us a check for $10,000. That's the truth. It has been a journey. It's not, always like that. it's not always like that. But those are times that you knew when God said, when God said that you obeyed. It's about obedience. That's what offerings are about. It's about your obedience. If he says it, will you do it? And it was, I mean, we've just seen. And then we've been able to write the $10,000 checks. In fact, one night, listen, listen to this. One night we have a friend. He has, owns the, um, what's Eagle Transmissions? It's a, it's a Eagle Transmissions in Texas. He's a blessed man. He's a blessed businessman. He's been a friend of ours for many years and has been a supporter of the ministry. And, uh, he he said, "Hey, Joe." He called Joe. It was on a Wednesday night at our church. He called Joe and he said, "Hey." He said, uh, "I'm in Austin," and he said, uh, "I'd like to." You have to back up and tell that I was telling our congregation that Joe always had this thing that one night you're going to come to church and we're going to we're going to bless everybody in the church with a hundred dollars. He always had this thing. He was going to do that.
0: Yeah, we're going to bless everybody in this house with $100. Yeah,
1: that was his that was his declaration. Anyway, so years go by. Our friend comes from Dallas. He says, "Hey, I'm in He said, "I'm out at the FBI. I'm fixing to head back." But he said, "I have something for you." And so we we drive out there, we meet him, we say hello, and he hands us an envelope. It's $10,000 worth of $100 bills. And he says I don't know what you want to do with this But I'm just telling you that this is yours God told me to give this to you And be a blessing to you And I won't get to come to church tonight But here's my offering So guess what Mr. Cruz did At the end of the service We probably had I don't know 70, 80 We had about 80 people, we had about 80 people there One family had six kids One family had six kids. We gave everybody in the church $100 per, hundred. like, y'all would have racked up. Yeah. It was crazy. (coughs) It was crazy. We've never had more fun in our entire life than living like this. And if you wonder how we get here and how we pay our way and how we rent cars and how we do everything that we do, it's this principle that I want to show you in the word of God, and then uh, I'll hand this back to you. If you have your Bible tonight, Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Because those are wonderful testimonies, but I want to show it to you in the word. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Judges chapter 6. Verse 1 says, But the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made themselves the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever Israel had sown their seed, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came up against them. And they would encamp against them and destroy the crops as far as Gaza and leave no nourishment for Israel and no ox or sheep or donkey. For they came up with their cattle in their tents, and they came like locusts from multitude. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so they wasted the land as they entered it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites' And the Israelites cried to the Lord. Now, this was a dire time in the life of the people of God. Always, when you find the Israelites in dire situation, it's because of their disobedience. It's because of their rebellious hearts. Pastor Joe talked about that this morning. So when they got into problems, there there were times throughout the Bible that they burned hot for God and they followed the one true and living God. And then there were times with bad leaders and and bad leadership, things would happen. People got distracted and and they got in disobedience and they got in rebellion. And then there was problems. So this is one of those times where it, it, this is like this is this is famine time. This is like there is nothing left of nothing left of nothing. But look what happens, verse 6, Israel's greatly impoverished, and they cry to the Lord. Now, people say, you know, does God, does God put sickness on me? Does God put a debt on me? No, I don't think God puts any of that sort of stuff. As pastor said today, we do live in a fallen world. There are circumstances that happen, but I also know that sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And it's because of our disobedience, it's because of our rebellions, it's rebelliousness, it's because of our impatience that we get ourselves in problems. But thanks be unto God, we can cry out to the Lord. Man, many times Pastor Joe and I have cried out to the Lord. Lord, we've done something stupid. Forgive us, God. And he has, and he's helped us. They cried out to the Lord. And when they cried to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet. Somebody say, the Lord sent a prophet. prophet. Listen, when you cry out to the Lord, the Lord will send a voice speaking to you. It's probably more likely going to be your pastor. It's going to be a friend. It's going to be an evangelist that comes in. But the Lord will always send a voice. He will always give you a word. He will always speak to your heart. When you cry out to him and you lay down your rebelliousness and you lay down your disobedience and you lay down your impatience, you, God will speak to you. And we find here that when they cried out, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites who said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I brought you up from Egypt. Now he begins to remind them. Listen, God will remind you of the things he's done for you in the past. I brought you. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out from before you and gave you. I gave you their land, he says. And I said to you. I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. That's where we get into problems. When God says, but we don't do. It's a challenge for all of us. And you know what? A lot of it comes down to trust. Do you trust him? I know at times we say we do, but when he asks the hard things of us, we think, I don't know God, and we don't obey, and I believe we miss out. I know for us, many times we missed out on the blessing of God, on the provision of God, because we were afraid, or we we didn't know, we didn't trust him, we didn't trust him. We find the Israelites here they're in the same predicament you've not obeyed my voice verse 11 this is the good news now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Oprah which belonged to Joash the Abrazite and his son Gideon was beating wheat his son Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites do you have that picture have you ever seen a wine press when you go to Israel? And those of you that want to go with us, February 2020, you'll see a real wine press. So they're not as big as what you think they are. They're kind of just, uh, yeah, it's just a, a cave or a, a, a concrete place. And it's, it, it's not super high, but, you know, if you get down in there all the way, there are different size of wine presses. But Gideon... Out of desperation, there was no grapes for the wine press. You understand? Because there wasn't anything like that. They had been totally, you know, by the Midianites. They had a little bit of wheat. And so their Gideon was in the wine press. Beating the wheat in the wine press. To hide from the Midianites. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And said to him. The Lord is with you. You mighty man. Of fearless courage. I love that. I guarantee you. That wasn't anything. That wasn't anything. Of what it looked like. Because he was hiding. Right. Right. But he spoke prophetically. The Lord is with you, oh mighty man of courage. That's when you know it's a true prophet. When they speak a word and they don't see you as you are, but they see you as what you will be. The Lord is with you. I say to you, heritage, the Lord is with you. Mighty men and women of God, the Lord is with you. He said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of fearless courage. And Gideon said to him, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this befallen us? And where are all his wondrous works of which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this your might, for you, will sa- you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Listen, in the middle of the wine press, beating some little tares of wheat, God called him. He marked him and called him for his destiny. Listen, God knows where you are tonight. God knows where you are. And he doesn't see you in your current state. He sees you in what you can be, what you shall be. You're not too old. You're not too young. The call of God and your destiny yet to be fulfilled. He says, I've called you. I've called you. So powerful. So powerful. I've called you. Have I not sent you, he says to Gideon. Gideon said to him, Oh Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Behold, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now Gideon begins to give him all the reasons why he's not the guy for the job. I'm the poorest, I'm the least. We do sometimes tend to give God excuses why we're really not your girl. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure pastor, I'm sure Megan, I'm sure sure someone else. But he says, I've called you. I'm going to use you. You're going to be the thing that sets people free. And I'll tell you tonight, God's calling many of you. Your destinies are yet to be fulfilled. I know at my age, sometimes Joe and I look at ourselves. I'm 63. I don't mind telling you. I'm 63. He's 64. And you know, in the field of what we do, sometimes we think to ourselves, maybe we should just let the young guys have it. Maybe, maybe we'll, just let, we'll just let the young guys have it. Because, you know, they're, they've got the energy and, you know, they've got all the tools and all that. Maybe we ought to just let them have it. And the Lord said, I called you for such a time as this. I'm not done with you yet. There's still things I want you to do. There's still places you need to minister. There's still people you need to reach. No, you're not done. You're not done till I say you're done. And you're not done. And I say to you, church, you're not done. You're not done. Your greatest days of ministry are still in front of you. Your greatest days to see lives changed are still in front of you. Listen, this church has a heart for outreach. This church has a heart for the lost. They need all hands on deck to reach this city for Jesus Christ. You're not too old. Listen, listen, there (coughs) there are nursing homes in this city. You can go and pray for people in nursing homes. There are all kinds of outreaches and things you can do. Bible studies you can have. All kinds of things you can do. I'm telling you, God's not done with many of you here. You're just getting started. You're just getting started. He says, have I not sent you? Gideon offers a bunch of reasons why he's not the guy. Verse 16. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. He didn't even acknowledge his excuses. Like, oh, well, maybe yeah, maybe you're right, Gideon. Well, let me rethink that a minute. Yeah. I thought, no, he didn't do any of that. No, he didn't do any of that. He just said, surely I will be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. In other words, Gideon, you and me, we got this. You and me, we got this. Pastor Jay, you and Jesus, y'all got this. Right? Y'all got this. Y'all got this. You and Jesus make it's the perfect team. It's the perfect team. Him and you, and you got this. That's what he's saying to him. Look at this. This is this this wiped me out when I read this. Verse 17. Gideon says to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, Show me a sign that it is you who talks with me. Do not leave here, Gideon says, I pray you, until I return to you and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you return. No one has mentioned an offering prior to that moment. No one has mentioned. The angel of the Lord did not mention it. And listen. It's a season of famine. Where is he going to get an offering? That's what I want to know. It's like, wait a minute. How are you going to give an offering? I thought it was like everything was gone and you were impoverished. See, sometimes we don't think we have anything to give. And yet, there's something we got. There's something. You see, it, it's, it's in your hand in the form of seed. And what you have to do with that is you just have to say, here, Lord. Boom. And he takes what's in your hand you got to always give god something to work with listen I, I i speak these things to you because i know we're a local church and i and i want to guard against one thing church i don't want you guys I, I don't want we never wanted our congregation just to be bucket plunkers that was one thing we always talked to the church don't be a bucket plunker in other words when you sow your seeds sow with purpose Sow with purpose. Say, Lord, I consecrate. And hey, listen, it can be two dollars. I'm not talking about an amount tonight. I'm talking about a heart. And I'm talking about when you sow, sow with purpose. And say, Lord, this is your this this is over and above. This is over and above my tithe. But Lord, it's in the in my hand in the form of seed. I give it to you. Now, Lord, what you want, take it and bless it. Do whatever it is you want to do. Man, I'm telling you what, it's the greatest joy in your life. I don't know how Gideon even had an offering, but he says don't leave here until I return to you and bring my offering and set it before you and he and the angel of the Lord said I'll wait. So not only was it important that Gideon give, it was important to God that Gideon that Gideon gave. He valued that. He said I'll wait. I'll wait until you return. Verse nineteen, and then Gideon went in, and prepared a kid. Like what? He found a kid. He found a goat. He found he found an animal. Uh, it, it, where where? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this was they were impoverished. Somewhere he found a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket and a broth and a pot and brought them to him under the oak and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, he gave him instructions for this offering. Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and lay them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. And then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat. And the unleavened cakes, and there flared up fire from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Listen, don't ever discount offering. There is a power. There is something that happens. It's important for you to give. But I'm telling you, your offering is just as important to God. And he'll meet you at the place of giving. He'll meet you at that place of giving. And the Bible says here, just to close this, the Lord said to him, peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So not only does he call him, not only does he prepare him and then Gideon brings the offering and then he says listen in this moment in this time i'm going to carry you all the way to the end you're going to do you're going to accomplish the thing for which i've called you to i'm you're not going to die prematurely the promise of god came to him through that offering that's powerful to me that's powerful to me The Lord said to him, Peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands in Oprah, which belongs to the Abba's I just say to you, church, I love you so much, but I know that in this season of your life, in this time of life, Understand the power of your giving. Understand how valuable it is. Yes, your tithe is the Lord's. That's a that's a giving. That's a given. But you're over and above giving. Man, you will see some miraculous things happen when you bring your offerings to the Lord. Don't just pluck something in the bucket. So with purpose. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that I have seed to sow. Lord, bless it. Lord, multiply it. Send it forth, Lord, to wherever you want it to go. And you watch and see what God will do on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Praise God.
0: That's awesome. The power of the offering. Hallelujah. Pastor Jim, we're going to take just a moment. We're going to give people an opportunity to give. And do uh, you just do what the Lord says do? The reason we share these things is because it's a part of our worship. The whole hallmark of our ministry is around the heart of worship. And do you know where most people get offended? It has to do with their money. It has to do with their money. And just like this morning with us sharing, you know, sometimes the Lord has you share some things that are uncomfortable for you and for my wife and I. Th- these are areas that are a little bit uncomfortable, but the more we know, I know my family, my earthly family, my mom and my dad. Dad's 89, mom's 83. And my mom and dad, they, they pastored churches their whole life till three years ago. And um, they really didn't have a lot set aside for their retirement. But as they handed the church to my sister and my brother, brother brother-in-law, my brother-in-law said this. He said, we want to honor you. And they sold $3,000 a month into my mom and dad's life, and they live in the parsonage free of charge. My dad never really, and you know, there's some of the biggest givers in our ministry. We got ready to go to Israel. I mean, get ready to go to Istanbul. And my dad walked up to me and he said, son, he said, you never know what you're going to have a problem with over there. He said, here, you might need this. You have to understand my dad. My dad gave me $600 cash, and he gave me his credit card. He said, you might need this. He said, your name's just like mine. He said, you can use this card just like it. <laughs> But that's my dad's heart. You see, it's not really about the amount. It really isn't. Please don't get mad at us. But we're trying to give you a key. Because if you can get offended over an offering, then it'll keep you from entering into the realms of the glory of God. Is that all right? Now, do what God says do. I promise you there's no pressure. You guys have always blessed us.